0: Warning, this sermon takes us into dangerous territory. Go forward with caution. grace and peace to you, my friends. It has been 16 years now since Ricky Bobby raced across the big screen in the popular movie Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. If you are unfamiliar with the title and the genre, I must say congratulations, as you have somehow not allowed your mind and spirit to have slipped into the depths of sheer nonsense. Unfortunately, I cannot, the say, I cannot say the same for myself. Admittedly, I have seen and enjoyed watching Will Ferrell and his friends' good-natured and humorous portrayal of the NASCAR driver and his uniquely first-world issues of our American society and culture. Here are a few quotable quotes from Talladega Nights. Dear Lord Baby Jesus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of dominoes, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. Or <clears throat> how about this one? I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. You can say grace to grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus or bearded Jesus or whoever you want. Followed up quickly by dear 8-pound, 6-ounce newborn infant Jesus, don't even know a word yet. And then finally, I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt because it says like, I want to be formal, but I'm here to party too. I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. Sacrilege? Undoubtedly. Funny? Yes, you got to admit it is somewhat funny. Is it a picture of American, American culture and society? How sad to say and admit that, yes, indeed, Will Farrell and his friends have rightly captured the current theological and sociological, sociological implications of our me-first society with some good-natured fun. Sadly, they speak of a society and culture which once heard and adhered to, built a society upon the principles and moral understanding of a Judeo-Christian ethic and thinking, but has since begun to listen to other more popular, louder voices, essentially leaving behind our inherited Judeo-Christian heritage. Now, I fully realize this is harsh criticism of not only our society, but of the church in general as well. How oftentimes we direct our prayers, our thoughts, our words, our actions even, how oftentimes we direct these not to the one who overcame the grave, not to the one who was and is victorious over sin and death, but we, and admittedly myself included, have directed our prayers, thoughts, words, and even our actions towards harmless and helpless baby Jesus as opposed to the Jesus who sits at the right hand of the Father. And so with some fear and trembling, we now squarely face the reality of this morning's lectionary readings. And I will warn you, they are harsh. So let's start with perhaps the least harsh words to hear, those from the prophet Jeremiah. Reading, the Lord said, Am I a God nearby and not a God far off? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them? do i not fill heaven and earth says the lord so what's going on here what is happening in israel to solicit such questioning from the god of heaven to his chosen people basically the people of israel god's chosen people have deserted their first love and replaced the god of heaven with the god of self instead of seeking after their first love the chosen band of Israel's race has come once again and turned away from the God who loves them and exchanged the God of heaven for other gods. They have listened to prophets who have prophesied in God's name lies as to the character being and essence of the God of heaven. Then having listened to these false prophets, the Israelites chose to put into practice the ways in which the false prophets advised them to live. Now, before we get too judgmental of these folks, we too, in our own time, in our own day, we too have listened to false prophets and have chosen to follow in the ways in which they have encouraged us to live. Take, for instance, the ever-popular music of Bon Jovi and his song, It's My Life. The ever-popular Bon Jovi has seemed to become a prophet of our time and age. Now, I like Bon Jovi, and I like the tune and music of the song. But admittedly, when I follow the path of which Brother Bon Jovi calls for me to walk down, I find myself making some huge mistakes. So listen to the words of the false prophet here. This ain't a song for the broken-hearted. No silent prayer for faith departed. And I ain't going to be just a face in the crowd. You're going to hear my voice when I shout it out loud. It's my life. My heart is like an open highway. Like Frankie said, I did it my way. I just want to live while I'm alive. It's my life. Friends, it's the wrong road. To find true peace, contentment, and fulfillment in our lives... We need to find the road Jesus calls us to live on. Augustine said it best, a life fully alive is a life lived, dedicated to the service of God, not self. When we live in the ego drama, that is the life story written, directed, produced, and starring me, as I have said prior, that life is usually very boring, mundane, highly predictable, often very chaotic and kind of a mess. But the life lived in the theodrama, that is a life story lived which is written, directed and produced by God for for us to live in. Now that life is exciting, rich, and highly unpredictable, much and oftentimes a life at peace and a life of contentment. Michael Curry, the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, recently said it this way, Something profoundly different happens in a person's life when their center of gravity is no longer self, but Christ. And then Bishop Curry used himself as an example. There's nothing special about Michael Curry, but put Jesus in Michael Curry, and you're going to get something good may i ask you who or what is at the center of you maybe it's time to set a step aside and let jesus into the middle of our beings speaking of letting jesus in what about today's gospel reading doesn't sound much like a baby jesus or teenage jesus here does it It sounds more like the son of god jesus i'd say The background of the pericope is that word about Jesus has gotten out to the multitudes. Crowds are now pressing upon Jesus and the disciples. And those crowds of people are coming because of the healings they have seen, the feedings of bread and fish they have heard about and tasted, and the excitement and hysteria about the possibility of a rising political star to defeat the Romans. Now, I'm sure the purpose of Jesus' healing and feeding was in order to stir up a crowd. But now that they are coming, Jesus gives them some new direction. Luke writes, Jesus said, I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it was already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, but rather division. (laughs) So much for praying to eight-pound, 6 ounce infant Jesus, who don't know a word yet. What is Jesus saying here? What does Jesus mean? Well, imagine, if you will, an overgrown forest within a thick bed of undergrowth on, on its floor, or a forest with a lot of standing dead trees on it. Here in Alaska, both are observed on a daily basis. Now, what happens when those woods are set ablaze? Well, naturally, they are burned up. The forest floor is gone, and the deadfall become torches. When that happens, what comes next? What's after that? Well, the way is now cleared for new growth, new life, new creation. and Jesus is saying that there is a whole lot of overgrown woods around Jerusalem. There's a lot of standing dead wood throughout Israel. And between the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, the Romans, and the law gone amok, these must all be dealt with. But Jesus is saying, not by the crowds and not through a military-type revolution. Jesus is saying, this will happen through a baptism. And as we all know, that baptism of Jesus is through the cross. And so Jesus is clearing the old out to make way for the new. So what does all this mean for us today? What's the so what of all this? Well, basically, when Jesus enters into our lives, he comes not necessarily in a peaceful way, but Jesus comes with fire to burn out the old overgrowth, the standing deadwood in our lives. Jesus does not this not to harm us or to hurt us, But Jesus does this because He genuinely loves us. Jesus came to clear out the useless stuff in our lives to allow new growth, new life, new creation to begin in the center of our beings. And when we cease viewing Jesus as an infant or wearing a tuxedo t-shirt or a political figure or a magic man, and we begin to see Jesus as the one who overcame sin and death, overcame the grave, and now sits at the right hand of the Father, then good things start to happen. Good things start to happen within the center of us. When we begin to trust Jesus, then good things start to happen. And down down through the centuries of the church, generation after generation of Christians have undergone not only one's own individual forest clearing, so to speak, but each generation of the church undergoes its own communal overgrowth and standing deadwood clearing as well. And all of this then leads to new growth, new life, new creation in the one who came to save us. Jesus said when you see a cloud rising in the west you say it will rain when you feel the wind blow from the south you reason the heat is on the way you hypocrites you know how to interpret the earth and sky but yet you cannot see what's happening in front of your faces so for us today then we too are able to interpret the earth and the sky the question is Are we able to open our eyes to see what is going on right in front of us, right in front of our faces? And then do we have the courage to act upon what we know and see? Or are we just going to sit back and let stuff happen to us? Let the overgrowth continue to grow. Let the dead trees stand. Our culture, our society, our world, like all culture, societies, and worlds prior have chosen their paths. Which path are you going to choose? May we instead allow the Lord to turn towards us, and thus may we heed the call to follow Jesus. Amen.